is why I think I'm a little raspy, but I also had a breathing tube. So I think I'm a little raspy from oh, that. Yeah. And then I had a mm. cyst removed in my maxillary sinus, which is sort of here. Anyway, mm. enough about my seepage. No, How are you guys? I'm seeping. My seepage is pretty good. Yeah, I think we're all seeping. I mean, I did you see the mighty ducks? <laughs> uh, we should probably get going though, because you got to go. go right there. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, it's fine. I'm talking. No, I'd rather it. keep talking about you know your nose. You both look. Yeah. You both look well. You both look well. We're fine. If this is we a problem, you. I can take it off. No, yeah, not at I, all. Yeah. I want to see. It. Why though? So we can see your your face bleed. <laughs> it does look like. A, it's funny. It does look like a, a, a nose tampon. Actually, now that I'm look, now it's it's mesmerizing for some reason. Yeah. Like it didn't. Now it, it's 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 you're like an old Groucho Marx with that. <laughs> yes. It looks like it's like a bad. It look. You look like you're like a six year old kid and like doing the school talent show and like i want to do groucho <laughs> marks and the mom's like okay you're like i want to get the mustache on so you have these things on yes now i can't that's now, all i'm seeing now, now. now he looks like mark twain he looks like young hal holbrook playing mark <laughs> or, twain for the or, first time or wilford brimley actually in the natural with the baseball hat oh there you go because it's a white mustache yeah yeah now if i turn it this way look at that see oh now, oh, now it's a twain so situation oh, a no okay. it's a brimley situation oh, now it's more brimley it's brimley it's right, more mustache so twain, in general it also um, with the straps and stuff it looks like one of the cenobites from uh from, <laughs> that's from, when he first came hellraiser. on i said oh hello hellraiser yeah <laughs> i had surgery for god's sake which is why is that why we're let's just say even if it isn't that's why we're late on this episode yeah it is why. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just we can say, say it, that's exactly it's, why. It's why we do. It's it's one of the reasons. One of the reasons. We're all very busy people. We're busy and important. We're busy with the busyness. But I'm but, glad but, you're but, doing better. You look great. Your nose is fantastic. It looks as beautiful as ever. Thank you. It's as mighty as ever. Yes, it I is. had septoplasty. And for anyone that's ever had it, we welcome advice. Please send advice in to opening weekend info. Uh, Mailer Damon, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But now on to the show. <laughs> yeah, you could cut all that if you want to. No, I'm, I'm probably not going to. Oh, good. Because, because what I'm about to do, not interesting. <laughs> you see this novelty bow tie? You see this tie? This tie costs more than your car. I made 970,000 puns last year. How many you make? You see, pal? That's who I am. And you're nothing. Nice guy? I don't give a shit. Good father? Fuck you. Go home and play with your kids. You want to be a movie critic? Pun. You think this is abuse? You think this is abuse, you cocksucker? You can't take this? How can you take the abuse you get from Willard Scott? You don't like it? Leave. I can go out there this morning with the titles you got, make myself 15 different puns. This morning, in two minutes, can you? Hero, more like zero. The Mighty Ducks, more like the Mighty Fox. Go and do likewise. Get mad, you sons of bitches. Get mad. You know what it takes to review movies? I almost got him. Oh, okay. There's one. Ah, there's one. Oh, come on. Mr. Charlotte, please put your balls away. I just came to take your breakfast order. Oh, my God. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. More like one hairy, one lost. Where the hell is that thing? 
Well, <laughs> that's the end of it. That's the yes. That's the end of it. <laughs> what do you want? It's the end of it. Yes, he's looking for the other ball. One Harry, one lost. <laughs> hey, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I was sitting there when we were trying to make our names for our squadcast session. I was like, Glenn's Harry. I was like, something Harry. And what's the What's the Ross? What's the the Glenn? Oh. And that's it. You just came up with it. One's Harry, one's lost. Not me. I didn't. Oh, Gene sorry, Gene. Gene did. That's why he. That's why he makes the big bucks. That's why he's the money maker. Oh God. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 83 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back to October 2nd, 1992, and the 30th anniversary of Glengarry Glen Ross, starring Al Pacino and Jack Lemmon, Hero, starring Dustin Hoffman and Gina Davis, and The Mighty Ducks, starring Emilio Estevez and Joshua Jackson. Or, as I said last time, Emilio Estevez. I can't, every time Ooh. there's a Spanish name, Corina, I have Corina. To, exactly. Corina. I noticed when I was listening to the last Corina. episode, I'm like, oh, I, I noticed that too. I was like, starring Emilio Estevez. <laughs> <laughs> on Telemundo. But before we dive in. Con Martin Sheen. It's also, that's the accent I'm Charlie doing right now. Sheen. In the mousetrap. That's my, my, I'm doing Padovacini, but I'm not doing an Italian. I'm doing a Spanish <laughs> accent. Just, You're doing Telemundo accent. I'm doing Telemundo. <gasps> ah, Mr. and Mrs. Rostong. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> anyway, before we dive in. Where were this is a very loosey goosey episode. Where were we in October? Just like Dan Sinuses. Of, yeah. oh, <laughs> just like with just like the goosey. drainage and seepage. Very loosey. Mm. <sighs> but do you remember 1992? October of 92? I sure yes, do. Very oh very well. Yeah. Very well. Because we were well, all three of us were in Hofstra. Mm-hmm. I was hanging Yay. out in Tower C. And and I I, I know oh, you'd yes. probably just finished Italian American reconciliation, but Dan yeah. and I we're working on two, and we've talked about this before. We were working on two incredibly important pieces of theater, one of which was the Mad Woman of Chaillot. Yes. But Love more that. importantly, <laughs> was our performance as the village people <gasps> at the upcoming <gasps> Halloween party. We were probably in rehearsals. We were definitely in rehearsals for Mad Woman of Chaillot, but yeah. whatever. We were definitely in rehearsals for our triumphant performance as the village people. <laughs> yes. Now, I yeah. was the construction worker, and you were, of course, the leather guy. The leather guy. Of course. Okay. PDG was the cop. And PDG the, was and the cop. And he was the front man, yes. Yeah. Jonas, Jonas was, was the, the Native American. Uh, Native American. And... Uh, <laughs> was the indigenous oh person. God. Yes. Oh and, uh, yeah, and, and Rob... <laughs> Rob Grimes, Nate Casteline. He was the uh, who is he? The the, the cowboy. The cowboy. He's a cowboy. Right. He was Randy. Yeah, and yeah. Who was Flynn? That wasn't Flynn involved. Flynn was not in it. So we did this again. I, I, we may have spoken about this before. We oh. did it at the Halloween party. Again. Then right, right. later that year, Pete randomly saw a sign. It was for a lip sync 
contest. And at the time, Pete wow. and I were trying to do Orphans. We were trying to do an independent production of Orphans, and we needed to raise money. And the winners <laughs> right. won like $300. So we oh we resurrected the village people, but some of the original cast members couldn't be there. So that's when we got our friend John Flynn. He took over as yeah. the cowboy, and Gabe Grilly came over and took over the role as the Native American, and we won. Incredible. We won first place, and we funded a production of Lyle Kessler's. I forgot Orphans. that you won. What'd you think? I, I didn't think. I thought I was like, oh, what a pipe dream. It's, it's like some, it's <laughs> out of a comic dream. book. It's like, wow. like Pete being like, that's literally the plot of Spider-Man. Where he's like, hmm, I want a car. I look in the paper. Wrestlers, $100 for wrestling. I'll yes. go be a wrestler to get a car. And then he ends up becoming Spider-Man. I thought you were going to say that Pete ended up getting hit by a truck and getting magical powers or something. I didn't think he'd, he'd win the contest. I mean, did you see his performance as the police officer? That was magical. I don't remember. He was, he was I don't excellent. recall it. I've, I have lots of pictures of it, though. I have lots and lots of pictures. <laughs> this is all before social media. It's before digital cameras, before cell phones. So I have just stacks of fucking, you know, like from the photo mattress pictures for some reason of you guys. I couldn't remember that there was a cowboy, so I must not have taken many pictures of uh, what's his face. I don't remember who's the kid who played the cowboy. What's Which one was it? Face? It was Rob, Rob Grimes. Rob Grimes. Rob Grimes, and then John Flynn. Yeah, still not ring, still oh. not ringing a bell. Okay, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but I do. I have so many pictures of you guys as the bill, you drunken. Really? Sl- I, yes, say, I only I have, have one. Yeah, I have oh, one. I have, I have, I have a, a million because I just took too many pictures. Annette and I just took pictures of everything. I have so too many pictures. I have too many. It makes I me upset. I find it interesting that you have that many pictures of us as the village people. Something yeah. going on? Something you want to talk about on air on opening weekend, Jason? Yeah. A lot of us were shirtless. Maybe it was that I wasn't included. I'm a- oh. always on the outside of these things. Well, you we beat you. I, I remember the- we beat you in the lip sync contest because you you came in second <laughs> doing your You Look Marvelous <laughs> and your uh, Curly Shuffle. How are you those, my darling? <laughs> now there's your power of a genie right there. That's it. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. You think I don't think of that every time I do it? I'm like, I'm going back to ninth grade. My performance is my ninth grade uh, impression of Billy Crystal as, as a Spaniard. Wow. Um, that was spring of 93. So, but going back to October 92. No. <laughs> I, All Hallow's Eve. I, I was so uh, happy by this time at Hofstra because uh, I, I had been really taken into the fold by this time of the drama majors uh, of you guys, mm. you know, and it was <laughs> taken into the fold. Is yes, stretching of it. course. You're all I, the way you're in the still fold. an outsider. No, no, no but I was all. for that for that first year or so when you all thought I was a gardener or a lawyer or whatever the hell you thought <laughs> I was for a year. And they're like, oh, yeah, he likes to come and play. He's the he's <laughs> the landscaper. He's the landscape architect who likes to audition for Spectrum shows. No, but by this time and I still was not a major yet, but you guys had still, you know, we'd go out. We'd I'd, I'd dine with you guys. In the, in the, Speaking of dining, you ooh. know where I think this is this might have been the first year. And I looked it up because I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was I think this might have been when we first started to go to Popeyes. Yes. Oh, so good. Do you remember Popeyes? And not Popeyes, you know, the, the southern kitchen place. It was P-O-P-E-I, Popeyes yeah. Clam House <laughs> in Bethpage. Was yeah. that the full name, Clam House? Wow. I don't think I ever knew that it was a clam house because I never had a clam there. 
We only we had would go wings. To get wings. We'd get wings. Th- those giant bowls of wings that had to be, as, as I always said, <laughs> not no not a chicken. That's not these those <laughs> no. wings so small. They're from a baby sparrow or something. They're like. <laughs> They were not, there was not the bird you thought it was from. Absolutely not. These are but not they the were birds plentiful. <laughs> they were, it was, they were plentiful and deli- they were, sla- and, and it was five cents a wing. It was five cents a wing, but it was also like, it, it was, it, it was COVID central before COVID. We didn't know. I mean, you I mean, I used to think about it. I'd be like, this is fucking disgusting because it would be all these wings, all this sauce and a gigantic I remember bowl. Remember it was a big wooden bowl. A big wooden bowl. Correct. And we put our disgusting fucking hands in and out of that bowl and then in our mouths and then who knows who's picking what out of whose pants and then like coming (laughs) back in for more it was horrifying but we would do it i was like ugh, i know i'm too much of nathan stith's body has come into contact (laughs) with my mouth now through the transitive property of popeye's Wet wings. They were so wet too. They were they just were. wet, but and, delicious. And not really buffalo. They were like a barbecue. Yes, barbecue. They were more barbecue, yeah. Yep. But you remember, I think, and this might have been once we got to our to at least my senior year, because at some point we made a rule that you weren't allowed yes. to wipe your hands. <laughs> yes, no, that person, was in, that was in effect when I was. That was there. In, okay. Yeah. And it was like the first person, if you were caught wiping your hands, then you had to stick <laughs> your face in the bowl of of the bones. It's so and we kept up. upping the ante because it was, I think it was Friday nights or Saturday nights. It was five cents wings. Yes, and was, right. and I don't even know how we found this place. Again, it was a clam house and we would go and we'd only get wings. But each time I remember we were like, okay, we started, we're like, okay, we'll get 25. Let's get 50. What? By the end it was, we were like, we're going to get 300 wings. Yes, it was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, and they give you another bowl for the bones. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. And they put that on the table. They're like, put your bones in here. It's like and, the Roman Coliseum. I saw exactly. the, I was at the Roman Coliseum yeah. this summer, was, and I'm like, this is, it took me all the way back to Popeye's. I was like, this is it. This is yeah. what man's inhumanity to really man. looks like. This or is to what, chicken. Yeah, to or to sparrow. It's like, it was like Caligula by the end of it. It was covered in, it covered in ooze. In like a glaze, and, and we and we were. We you all know, looked like the guy in, in Hellraiser, just like you know, <laughs> unformed skin, just red goose all yes, over us, with chains hanging down and hooks. It may as well have been that, <laughs> with meat hanging off, and then and and then and only then did were the moist towelettes handed out, which were useless. <laughs> One small moist towelette. <laughs> uh, One giant step for mankind. <laughs> And then the oh, other yeah. thing on top of it, like they had at every bar uh, at this time, was, oh, here's a pitcher of beer. That's the wings are five cents. Your pitcher of beer is 12 cents. And we were drunk yeah. on top of it. So somebody had to designate a driver ass all the way back to campus because it was it was uh, absolutely it was debauchery. It really was debauchery. Which brings us to fun. our first film, The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, that basically works. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Basically anything you could say works. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was so good. This was also when we played box office for the first time. <gasps> Get out of here. Yeah, it was this box year. 
this? For people who don't know, that oh, was a right. very short-lived or short-lived trivia game that was all movie. It was like the Trivial Pursuit, but all movies. All movies. Before yeah. the silver screen edition of Trivial Pursuit mm-hmm. came out, which was impossible because it was all, you know, film noir movies from the 30s. But the <laughs> right. box office was for people of our generation because it was all, you know, stuff about Star Wars. And I remember- and you guys I, created a theme song, right? You did. You were instrumental in that. I was? No, I think that was you guys. You I don't guys. think I had I don't think I had a hand in the box office theme song. Well Pete uh, and I created the, theme Pete song. and I created a lot of theme songs for board games. I remember Pete created Stratego. It's a game I like to play every night and every day. It's Stratego. <laughs> That's right. Box Sing the box office, office one. Sing yeah. the box office song box there. Office Come on. Was, uh comedy. Mystery, drama, action, mystery. It's box office. It's the, it's game, the game of, of love. I feel like it's I might have come up love. with it. It's the game of love. Of course you did. That sounds yeah, like me. That just love. that 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 the game yeah. of love. Yeah. But I think the and rest. it's like the end of like a '70s sitcom. Like, yeah, uh, you know, it's like the end of the Jeffersons theme or yeah. Good Times or something with the like. Oh, oh, yeah. And the two box office workers stand back to back and just look at the camera. <laughs> What you do? You well, we didn't even talk about what you did. I was doing all these things 92. with you, but I wasn't in the same place. I did. I had a little bit of a complex. I wasn't involved in your costume gang. I I, I was <laughs> dressed as the penguin for Halloween. I did Danny DeVito's penguin. Brilliant. I was very proud of that costume. It was very cool. That was great. Um, but yeah, but that I was a loner. You guys had the the group costume. I never did Wait any of those group costumes. That's really. so interesting. I never I I never thought. And now I sort of feel bad. Did you Did you feel <laughs> like because I, I always felt like I couldn't get, I was like, well, we can't get into Jason. You, you were like on another strata, you know, even though we were friends at this point. That's true. That's silly. No, no, no. But you was, I I just, I I never thought about that. That maybe were you like, oh, how come they're not asking me to do this? Or did you not give a shit? It's not, I, you know, I wanted to do my own thing, I guess, but I, there was part of me that was like, oh, that's really fun. That's what it's like to have friends. But then I was like, I go, I go into my little, my my little dungeon and work on my authentic penguin costume. Wow. It was good. That was a good costume. You, you, I would have made you the cowboy. You would have been a great cowboy. It would have been terrible though, because I have no rhythm. I got no music. Uh, Who could ask for anything more? (laughs) I mean, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it well. It it was fine. No, no, no. I, I, I did remember thinking. You got to remember, this is the the guy who sits at his grandma's table by himself summer after summer and is like, I'm making making my little project alone. Okay. He's fine with. <laughs> That's true. I am. I do. I sometimes I do like the, the being alone and working on my my crafts. Um, yeah. No. But I, no. That was a, that was a very fun party. It was a great year. This is my senior year, and it was. At, at, and oh, I had yeah. just done. I had just done Italian American Reconciliation, uh, the John Patrick Shanley play. I love that so much. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very, very moonstrucky. I just, I loved it, loved it, loved it. Mm-hmm. Did it with my girlfriend at the time, Annette, and with our buddy Pete. Um, he uh, he played opposite me in that, and I uh, I remember it was my first uh, experience of having jealousy, like when you're, oh. you're you're in the same business as your partner and 
you have to do romantic scenes as actors. Like Annette had to kiss Pete (gasps) in the show. And and I had a hard time with it. I never said it to- Pete's a good looking guy. I never said it to anybody. Pete should have been with Annette. I mean, I think that's what I kept thinking. I was like, like, yeah, that's a much better match. No, but I was like, I was really like, it was so silly. I was like, I hadn't had that experience. And I, you know, and I, at the time I was like, well, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous, but it's a natural thing. You know, like I had never had to kiss somebody in a play. So I didn't have the experience yet to say, oh, this is just part of the gig, part of the mm-hmm. job. You just see somebody kissing your girlfriend and you're like, what the hell? Um, yeah. So it was, I had, a, I had, a, I had some issues with that. I'm sure I told Annette about it, but I don't think I, I I don't think I ever told Pete, but now he'll hear it on this anyway. Were you so upset you had to go see your quack? (laughs) Oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. (laughs) The Mighty Ducks. From Walt Disney Pictures, he's a hotshot attorney who's never lost. Yes. Forced to coach a hockey team that's never won. Keep swinging. Maybe I'll give him a cold. He'll try to teach them how to win. You think losing is funny? Well, not at first, but once you get the hang of it. And they'll teach him. Get off the roof, you little monkey. That winning isn't everything. Let's have fun out there. Walt Disney Pictures presents Emilio Estevez. Are we ducks or what? The Mighty Ducks. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. After reckless young lawyer Gordon Bombay, played by Emilio Estevez, gets arrested for drunk driving, his sentence is to coach a kid's hockey team as community service. Gordon has experience on the ice, but isn't eager to return to hockey, a point hit home by his tense dealings with his own former coach, Jack Riley, played by Lane Smith. The reluctant Gordon eventually grows to appreciate his team, a band of misfits which includes promising young Charlie Conway, played by Joshua Jackson, and leads them to take on Riley's tougher, more ruthless players. The Mighty Ducks was directed by Stephen Herrick, who may have the odd distinction of being the director whose work we've talked about the most on this podcast, having also directed Mr. Holland's Opus, (gasps) Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and Critters. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but when I think about it, I can't really think if we've talked about another director's like four movies of any other director yet. I think you might um, be right. What in the Mighty it. Ducks struck a chord with children of the 90s, spawning sequels and inspiring reboots and earning $6 million over its opening weekend on its way to a total box office of $50.50.7 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of the Mighty Ducks? I remember watching this on cable and I was excited to rewatch this. I didn't see it when it first came out, but then I remember watching it years later and I remembered really enjoying it. Mm. And I, even so much so that when we were doing our sports list, our favorite sports movies, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want, would the Mighty Ducks get on there? Because I just remember seeing it on cable and thinking, oh, this is good. I'm digging this. Like, yeah, this is this is fun. This is cool. And then I rewatched it and I had the complete opposite reaction. (laughs) I was like, why did I like this so much? I don't, I, this isn't good at all. I really, I mean, no, it's not bad. And I guess for, if you're a little, I kept thinking like, all right, if you're a little kid or however old I was when I saw it, which was, you know, probably my (laughs) thirties, uh, it would probably be a fun movie. I just kept thinking of, I kept thinking of the Sandlot 
and sure. uh, one, one actually it's one of the same kids is in it. Um, uh, the, 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 the two brothers, uh, one of the, uh, I think the older brother is actually in the Sandlot as well. Mm. And, uh, I, I find that to be a more enjoyable movie. It's just, um, yeah, I, it, it was, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of holes in the movie. There's a lot of like weird in plot the things. Eyes. Sorry. In the <laughs> there could were you, a lot of holes in the ice. through them? Uh, but the, you know, it's, I guess it's a fun, is the, the, the kids are, are fun. Uh, they're a ragtag group of ne'er-do-wells and you know, it's, it's exactly, there's, there's no surprises in the movie. It's totally bad news bears, except with no surprises and they win at the end, you know, and that's the thing you almost want, you know, there, there are no, the great thing about bad news bears is it shows just the dirty side of sports and not so much, not just the kids, but with the parents. And you sort of have that, you have a really unlikable and man, here's the thing. The difference is Walt. Walter Matthau, completely unlikable in Bad News Bears, but you still like him. He's still good. Emilio Estevez, really unlikable character. I, I wasn't, I, I'm normally a fan of Emilio Estevez. I, I liked him in Young Guns and Breakfast Club. I wasn't, he didn't do much for me in this. There wasn't much going on. Very uh, And I just kept, yeah, very bland. Uh, he was phoning yeah, it in, he was phoning it in, but didn't quite know the number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that, yeah, maybe that's what it was. I just, I, I didn't, know. I didn't, I, I couldn't follow his progression enough. And, you know, the, again, with the great thing with the Bad News Bears is Walter Matthau never really, he, he does, by the very end, he becomes slightly redeemable, you know, um, and this, there's never the, the, the arc that his character goes on Emilio Estevez. It's there. It's, it's plotted out, but the, the fine tuning of it just sort of lost me along the way. He um, changes very, very early on in the movie and he changes to a saint, you know, re, a quarter yeah. of the way in and, and then you really don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. But here's the other thing that I'm just remembering because I saw so long ago, um, was, that there's the whole thing with the with the other for the kid from the other team. A lot of it hinges on we got to get that kid Banks from the other team. Right. The ringer. There's well, always the ringer. The yeah. ringer, right? So that's his big thing. He decides like, oh, but there's, you know, because of the um, uh, what is it? Where where the uh, the, the, the mapping? You know, the, because of um, why am I blanking? The on, redistricting. On, on, the, the redistricting. Gerrymandering that they do yeah. to like yeah, exactly yeah. where the kid, what kids on what team, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they realize they're like, oh, because of 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 you know the redistricting, this kid should actually be he's a duck, and that's what they and but really. <laughs> I kept thinking, maybe as a parent now, I'm like, but that's sort of a shitty thing to do. Like, if the kid, wa let the kid play with his friends. He doesn't want to play with the ducks. He wants to play on, he's played on the other team for years, let him play with his friends. And they sort of, that becomes the big campaign <laughs> yeah. that Emilio Estevez's character, you know, hangs his hat on. And like, you're like cheering. You're like, yeah, you really got him. But <laughs> you're sort of fucking over the kid. And then they bring the kid and over to the wrong. other team. It's it's, 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 it's cheating. You know? it's, it's like, why it's are you totally doing cheating? That? Yeah. 
<laughs> Dan doesn't agree. <laughs> that, that, the, your bigger, the bigger problem there is that kid's not really a character. Well, that's what well, that was what <laughs> right. I was getting to next. So he comes on the team, and they're all like, "Oh, you're a, whatever they call him, a soup eater or something." And they're really mean to him. Cake eater, a cake eater. A he's cake a cake eater. eater. <laughs> he's he's cake he's, eater, soup he's, eater. he's Marie Antoinette. He's not he's not Al's Uncle Stu. <laughs> I don't know. We need more evidence that we're in our 40s and 50s. <laughs> he was a soup eater. <laughs> it may have been split pea, but it was probably tomato. You're old. But the whole thing, yes, they bring this character in and you think there's going to be, but they never show a moment where they bring him into the fold like we did with Dan. You know, there's no, he's just a part of the team and then they let that go. So anyway, it was, it, it was okay. It was, the kids were sort of, they were funny yeah, at times. I like Goldberg. Give me a whole movie about him. He was great. Yeah, he's okay. He's on Freaks and Geeks. What? That's the that's the goalie, right? Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. the goalie. Yeah, I like the uh, the kid. Uh, is it a- Averman? Averman? The he was the kid who does the impressions constantly. Yes, he's I like, like him constantly as well. doing like the. <laughs> and it's so funny because he's doing he's doing an impression doing of Rob Schneider. I, I, Rob Schneider from Saturday Night Live, the copy guy. But I just thought he was not that I I don't like. No, he the had copy guy sketches. I don't like, that. but I liked him. I thought he was good yeah. and winning. And I, I'll tell you where it, I'm sorry, Dan, get you, you go. You no, go. no, please. No, continue. Your thought. No, I was just going to say, like, I was like, my notes at the beginning are things like, uh, Emilio Estevez so bland. He's like the tofu of actors. He's just like, yes. you know, just, you know, you try to add a little flavor to him, you know, make him into something, but it was just so flat and, and I thought, <laughs> what did I write about the director? I was like, this is a bad director, but this is his worst looking film so far. I like, I really, I thought it had like no kind of visual style or flair. But then this is what happened. <laughs> oh, here we go. You cried. I cried. Did you I cried. really? That fucking Joshua Jackson is a good fucking actor. He was lovely. Yeah. He, he was very gr- good. He was great. And the moment where the kid comes in, Charlie is the character's name, and he says, you can't make me cheat. He was, right. I was like, he's acting rings around everybody. Correct. And he was so good, it made me cry. And then I was in. Yeah. Then, then the, it, he was the turning point for me where I started enjoying the movie because I was like, I've got a human being to latch onto yes. and care about. And I was like, I'm so impressed with this kid. And I just like the character. I just like the kid as a, as a kid, as a person, as a, a child with integrity, as a competitor, whatever. And I liked him and I started to really enjoy the movie. And then I started to sit back and be like, who cares? It's, <laughs> like just washes over you. It's just, and now we're not children of the nineties. We're children of the eighties, really, you know, seventies and eighties more, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I get why, like the glow of ninety. you know, we're, we're nineties. Nostalgia is still a thing for us. Cause we were in our twenties and stuff. And, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I didn't watch this movie at the time, but it puts me in a time and a place. Yeah. And, uh, and I just let the warm nineties nostalgia wash over me. And I was like, I'm not even nostalgic for this. I've never seen it before. I only me neither. was watching it now for the first time, but it, yeah, it wound up working on me and it was just a very, it was perfectly pleasant and I enjoyed the kids 
And like I said, Emilio Estevez is not enough of anything for me to have a strong feeling of like or dislike. But yeah, but I mean, as a as a movie, as a piece of writing, as great drama, as a sports movie, you know, it's none of those things. It's nothing, but it's, but I enjoyed, I wound up enjoying myself mostly because I wound up hooking into the kids, specifically Joshua Jackson. Well, he's the heart. They got the heart right. You know what I mean? They got the heart of the movie right. He he is the per, you're exactly right. He is the person to latch on to the story with him and his mother. Follow that. Follow that logic through, though. I'm not going to cheat. Why? My dad cheated. Right. You get that impression, but they don't say it. Oh, you know? I see. I didn't get you. You're, you're very smart. Dad. I absolutely I didn't get thought that. that's where mm, they were going to go. But you don't they don't you know. Maybe they don't mm, need to say smart. it. Maybe it's maybe yeah. it's just there, you know. But but I was I was really gonna go. Ah, I was really going. Oh, that's where they're gonna go. But you know, movies can thwart our expectations. That's fine. But yeah. he, he he he. We talk all the time on this podcast about people who rise above the material, and that kid is the one who did in yeah. this. And I think the old German man in the who yes. runs the shop. I loved him. Hans, yeah. he was that's great. Diplomatic immunity is that, that diplomatic immunity? Okay. Diplomatic that's immunity. That is. that is him. What is that okay. actor's name? I didn't. Write. Hans He's diplomatic immunity. That's his name. <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> Diplo. Matic immunity <laughs> is the name of the actor. Um, he was great, and you that was know, his hip hop persona. Yeah, and so he's elevating it. But you you hit the nail on the head, Fred, which why I said ding 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 when you said bad news bears. This is a, this is a take on that same kind of thing, the ragtag bunch, uh, and each of them has their little superpower, right? Some one is the, you know, the, I I like that they finally give us what the two. The brother and sister who are the who are like, you know, the the figure skaters, the figure skaters. And we yeah. kind of finally get their superpower. Yeah, we get the big cute. sort of lunkhead kid. And we yeah, get Eldon Henson is basically Jackie Earl Haley, you know, from Bad yes, News exactly. So it's modeled after that. But here's the thing that the big difference. And if you remember, is the Bad News Bears lose at yeah. the end mm. and they are sore losers. So the way you do a take <laughs> on that. Is and because it's funny, right? The way you do a take on that is you have the Mighty Ducks lose, and then you and then this whole movie, this whole movie is about here's you know the other team's chant is win, 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 win. It's all Elaine Smith, who's always good. From my cousin Vizzy, Vinny and all kinds of other movies is always a, he's always a dick and he's always good at it. He's he was, slimy. Yeah. I want to say he's great. The one, one thing he's great on where he's not a dick is remember the TV show Lois and Clark. He oh, played no. Perry, he played Perry White oh. and he oh. played him and he played him as a Texan who was obsessed with Elvis. It was so crazy. It was so <laughs> interesting great. and it's so not like any version of Perry White before. But he was so charming, so funny. He was the cool. best thing about that show. I loved him on wow. that. Anyway, he's a great actor. Sorry, I just he is that. a great actor because he wasn't own. a villain in that. And it's one of the few things where he's like, oh, see, that's terrific. He's usually a villain, and he's a full-on villain in this. And it's all win, 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 win. And it's the importance of winning versus the importance of playing the game. The importance of winning versus having fun. The importance of winning versus ducks. The team. Right. Uh, and and follow that through to its logical conclusion. I know I guess we can't because it's Disney and we have to have the happy ending. But had right. Joshua Jackson missed his penalty shot at the end and it flew off and the Ducks lost and they still had a great experience and they still yeah. loved each other and they still loved Emilio Estevez and they came together as a team and the the jerk team won and they learned how to be good losers 
there's a movie that would have hooked me in like crazy. And the, what's crazy yeah, is you're a Mets fan. The whole <laughs> <laughs> you insensitive Son asshole. Bitch. I can't speak. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. You, it's like what pouring, you're saying is beautiful and brilliant. It's you're like absolutely pouring right. salt into my nose. You're like pouring salt <laughs> saline solution into no, my no, wounded no, no, nose. No. But you know what I'm saying? There's no, you're a, right. It's a golden golden opportunity to teach kids how to You're be right. good losers and to just learn to love how to play the game and being a kid who did sports as a, as a youngster baseball and and swimming and bowling and things like that it's like that is an important important lesson the movies would have been so much better had they lost like you know, like Rocky. Remember like Rocky? Rocky. You know? Yeah, but they went the distance. The, the fact that they got exactly. that far. That was the thing with Rocky. That's that was the thing the with the Bad News Bears. That was the thing with like Major League. With all those great sort of loser sports movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of them, it's nice if they win. And I guess, yes, because it's a Disney movie and Joshua Jackson, you know, it's nice to see him succeed in that way. And, and they sort of do. I mean, look, they do get to the moment. And it is a, and it is a nice moment where Emilio Estevez is giving a similar speech to what his coach gave to him as a kid. Yeah. And he's like, this is a really important shot, but if you miss it, it's okay. Just have fun. Then have him miss it. Then follow that through yeah. to its conclusion, to its logical conclusion, have him miss it. And then he has won something greater than the championship. He has won sure. a new dad. He's won friends. He's You're won right. a team. You know, that, that that's a powerful. And for a half a second, I thought that's what they were going to do. For Me too. half a second. And I was like, but it's and same thing. I was like, it's a Disney movie. It would it wouldn't have been quite as popular if it, I mean I didn't see it before. But I was like, no, he's gonna he's gonna make the shot. He's you're right. It would have lost but millions. But it would have been it would have been, been really interesting. Movie. Yeah, you're right. And it's yeah. so blatantly it's so blatantly set up for a sequel more than almost. No. I mean, it's like saying because he literally said, doesn't he say like. He says, I'll see next you next year, season. Be, see you next yeah. season. See you next year. He basically looks into the camera and says it practically. It's like, and that's fine. That's okay. It's like, yeah, that's what these movies do. It's like, because that's the idea of sports. It's like, we'll get him next year. We'll get him next time. And it's what, you know, Rocky to Rocky two. It's yes. like, you know, Rocky two is very, very, a very, very satisfying movie. Uh-huh. It's not quite as good as it's not as good as Rocky. But that and that's part of it because you go the Hollywood. It's like, all right. And now you get your but now you get your dessert. You got your vegetables and now you get your dessert. Like you, you you've gone <sighs> through you the go. agony and now you yes. get the ecstasy. And yeah. I, I think they were always going to it's clear they were always going to make a part two. Mm-hmm. So why not do exactly what you said? Like teach them the value of being good sports and and how to lose gracefully and then come back and have like the, yeah, the, uh, all happy all the time sequel, you know, like give it, give it, give people like what they want second time around. That's if it's successful, that's assuming it's a foregone conclusion that a movie starring Emilio Estevez about children playing hockey would do very well. Hockey movies. This is the only one I think ever that's been a, a like a big box office hit. Maybe Slapshot was, but I don't, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's moderate, just not yeah. that kind of thing. So maybe they were like, look, you know, can't really go that route. We got to do our best to make this thing <laughs> financially viable. Up well, front, that's the but, Disneyfication of it, you know, yeah, and, and that's, yeah. and nothing against Disney. He's the most successful entertainment company in the history of the world, but yeah. they could have gone a different way with this been probably, probably made 
few million less dollars, but still had a franchise, still done all the things you're talking about, still had a successful run uh, with this and been able to do what the Bad News Bears didn't do, which, you know, I love the Bad News Bears, but it and it is funny at the end where they're like, you know, the other team's going two for six, eight, who do you appreciate? And and the and the Bad News Bears are basically, you know, sore losers. Shove it up end. your ass. Up, <laughs> you know, know. That's the final yeah. line in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I, w- I was pretty, pretty disappointed all the way through this. It was my first time seeing it as well. And I I, mm. I understand the charm of it. I liked Goldberg. I liked, mm. uh, you know, several of the other kids. But um, Estevez didn't do it for me. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm middling. I'm middling on this one. Have you guys ever seen a flock of ducks flying in perfect formation? It's beautiful. Pretty awesome the way they all stick together. Ducks never say die. Ever seen a duck fight? No way. Why? Because the other animals are afraid. They know that if they mess with one duck, they got to deal with the whole flock. I'm proud to be a duck, and I'd be proud to fly with any one of you. I remember it being my first time seeing it. Uh, I remember thinking like, oh, this is going to be like a eight Sheila for me. And I'm probably down to a... I don't know. I'm like a six because okay. it's 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 a uh, yeah. It's 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 harmless. It's a fine. I didn't hate it. I was just I was I just remember feeling disappointed watching it this time. That I'm like, oh, I don't like it as much as I I remembered. I liked it, so I, I'd give it a six. Had the ducks been in a big wooden bowl and slathered with uh, <laughs> barbecue sauce? And we had eaten them. That would have been a more oh. pleasurable experience. So I say four. Ah, I have been in this business fifty-two years, and I was, was like over eight. Because, and I was like, "This is crazy." I was like, "It's crazy," but it's delightful. But I was, what? I was, I found it delightful. I'm going to stick with eight. I'm going to go sit right at eight because I was actually higher than eight for a second. I was wow. like, "Take your meds," and then I. <laughs> And then I was like, no, no, no. And I was going to go 7.5. But no, it worked. It, there's a reason why it's got multiple sequels and spinoffs and whatever. And yeah. I, I mean, you could say that about Hellraiser, too, which I, I just want to bury in the earth. But um, Hellraiser, I, too, Pinhead finally wins. He, lo- he seems to lose <laughs> at the end of the first one. He's a real winner in that second one, let me tell you. <laughs> He's a real winner. Is that doing so much winning? Um, <laughs> if you liked it, I, you no, liked I, it. I, I mean, liked it. I liked it. Emilio Estevez has always been a hero to you. Jason, so. <laughs> no, no there's, I've had a lot of heroes in my life. Are any of them in the movie Hero? <laughs> Columbia Pictures proudly presents. Are you Bernard LaPlante, sir? Bernie? Mom! It's my father! Dustin Hoffman. You can't believe one word you say on TV. Not one word. Gina Davis. I'm a reporter. I'm, I'm supposed to be a professor. Andy Garcia. Every moment of life I owe to you. In a Stephen Frears film. So tell me why you did it. Why'd you go in that play? I don't know. Temporary insanity, I guess. This is not a news story. This is real life. She's pretending to be a person. She's really just a reporter. A real hero is hard to find. I was inspired by that hero. That fake inspired you? C 
Serial swindler Bernie LaPlante, played by Dustin Hoffman, makes the first selfless gesture of his life when he helps save injured passengers from a horrific plane crash and then vanishes into the night, hoping to find the hero... Did you see what I did there? ...who pulled her out of the wreck. Reporter Gail Gailey, played by Stupid Stupid Head... No, what a stupid name. Gail Gailey. Shut the fuck up. Gail Gailey. Not since Bridget Cardigan. <laughs> Gail Gailey. How did they have, how did their mother do that to her? Gail Gailey, played by Gina Davis, mm. announces a one million dollar prize if the individual will step forward into the limelight. But when handsome vagrant John Bubber, these names, yeah, what the fuck with these names, played by Andy Garcia, Gailey takes and credit. Bubber. Bernie LaPlante, another great name, struggles to expose him amid a media circus and a nation of adoring fans. Hero, an American satire helmed by a British director, Stephen Frears, took in $5.2 million over its opening weekend and ended its box office run with just $19.5 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Hero? If you take broadcast news... Divided by Razzo Rizzo, <laughs> add Thelma, subtract Louise, <laughs> multiply it by the square root of what are Chevy Chase's three worst movies? Uh, Memoirs uh, of an Invisible Man, <laughs> Cops and Robertsons, nothing and but nothing, trouble. But, nothing trouble. but trouble. You have this movie. Wow. Um, and something, something, Andy Garcia. Put that in in post. <laughs> I never liked Andy Garcia. I never gave two shits about Andy Garcia. I always felt like Andy Garcia, how did this guy become anything? I don't like him in Godfather 3. I've never, he's just bland to me. I thought he was lovely in this. I thought he's fine and charming and I got no problem with him in this. Dustin Hoffman is the master of point of view. He just decides on a point of view early and he's like, yep, that's this guy and that's this guy's worldview and I'm sticking and I'm sticking to it. Um, I, you know, I, I really, I've always liked Gina Davis. So you got three leads in this thing who are doing a very good job. You have a good uh, screenplay. You have a pretty good idea. So I'm, I'm having trouble uh, pinpointing where this movie goes wrong. And I think, I mean, 25% of it is what Frears is having Chevy Chase do in it, which feels like it's from another movie. And he's uncredited. <laughs> and I wonder what the story is there. I, I totally forgot Chase, that he's in I had it. No, I, I've never seen this movie before. I had no idea he was in, even involved in it. And he's uncredited, I think, even in the end credits. Is he not? But he, he's, he feels like he's from another movie. He feels like he's doing J. Jonah Jameson. He feels like he's from yes. another movie. Well, you know what's interesting about that that yeah. I read? Because I, I could not stand Chevy Chase in this movie could not Me stand neither. up. Although there was one funny moment, a moment I laughed hilariously and you tell me what it was. I, can't I, I never laughed at anything he did in this movie. There wasn't yeah. one moment. Oh, what do you think? I, no, I can't, I can't remember. I have no idea. I, the roses. I just, the roses. Oh, right. He's like, <laughs> right. He's in he was the ma- hospital and he yes. has no lines finally. And he's just arranging roses. Arranging the, the roses. Uh, and uh, he's doing it 
That's very idiotically. He's doing yeah. it like one of his other characters, like Ty Webb trying to take the the golf yes. clubs out. Just yes. trying to yes. distracting. It, yes, he just very. seemed like he was in another movie. He just seems like yes. No question. I, I read a review, and I think it was Roger Ebert's review of it because I was I was looking some stuff up, and now I've never seen any of Preston Sturge's movies. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say. That's Apparently, what this, yeah. is, that's what this right. is a throwback. And I think to, it was yeah. Ebert who says that what they miss is that is they're obviously trying to make like this Preston Sturge is like screwball satire uh, and and he yeah. uh, Roger Ebert seemed to think that Chevy Chase was the only one really playing up to that and I read one or uh, two reviews that actually mentioned that so I see what yes. he was doing I just didn't think it fit in this movie to me I thought they were trying to do more of like a network feel and because Mm. everyone else was you know just that sharp social satire of of the media and what the media does and it's all about like let's you know let's let's spin it let's make you know we can make you feel whatever you want to feel I mean there was also to me it was also it seemed a bit uh, like a take on religion like he was this Jesus figure yes, like for sure. what did he do we don't know but we're going to worship him I mean there's even yeah. a moment at the end where you see a woman crossing herself yes. when he's about to jump you know um, but maybe it just it it never got as sharp, maybe that's what it was missing, Dan, is that, you know, maybe that's what Chevy Chase was trying to do with that performance, is trying to make it a little more screwball and a little I bit agree. more of, um, what's the Coen Brothers movie um, uh, with Paul Newman? Um, uh, Hudsucker uh, Proxy. The Hudsucker yeah, Proxy. Maybe it was like, proxy. maybe they should have gone that more. Or keep it more grounded and make it really... Because Dustin Hoffman's character, and you're so right, Dan, I mean, what's great about what he does in this movie is he's... He's unredeemable yeah. and unlikable yeah. from start to finish. He does make, he does some good things, but man, it's, there's never like the big Emilio Estevez change where he's like, no, I'm going to be a better person. He does everything he does begrudgingly. Yeah. It's yeah. all and like, through that great. lens of, oh, geez, now I got to do this. You it's know? just great. It's he just never great. changes so human. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know, because as much as he's we so like good. to see human beings change in movies, sometimes Human beings don't change, yeah. you know, and uh, you'll have your little moments and he does have those little moments. But again, sure. it's all it was it's always under the specter of like, fuck you. I, why am I? I don't even want to fucking do this. Uh, and that's great. But it's like it's like it's like there's something in his DNA. It's like, yeah, it's like he never changes. But that thing, that gene is only exploited for the first time. It's never been needed to be used before. The, yeah. This thing of like helping Helping a person in a life or death situation. How many of us have been called upon to do that in our lives? You know what I mean? Right. Like it's a, it's a very rare thing that occurred. And when it happened, yeah, he like is like, ah, oh, I got to take off my fucking shoes now, and I got to go yeah. and save these people. He <laughs> does that, and you dirty. think, oh, is this at odds with the character somehow, or like, oh, because you think like, well, this is a big change moment, right? Like he does it, and then it will change him, and because it it doesn't change him. You're he like, huh. he steals a purse while he's doing right. it. But yes. then the, and then at it's the great. end of the movie, great. which I think is a great little tag, I think the movie ends in a kind of delightful way at the zoo yeah. it's where it's like the woman falls into the lion cage <laughs> or whatever, a fucking ridiculous thing. And then he's like, all right, hold my shoes. Like yeah. he's still the same guy. He hasn't changed, but that's a part of him that he didn't know existed until he was called upon to do it. And he has that thing. It's like, you know, how somebody can be both a, like and have 
have admirable qualities and 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 loathsome qualities simultaneously. We 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 have a hard time squaring that circle when we look at people. We're like, you're either all good or you're all bad. The fact that a person can have these different things within them and that they can carry that through their whole life and be like, well, he's great at this, and but he's terrible at that. You know, you can have a leader like that, right? We've had presidents that are like, mm-hmm. boy, I wouldn't want to be married to him, but I, you know, I think he did a great job with A, B, C, or D. That's what's really interesting about the movie and the character and that performance. But yeah, it's, um, and that's what Andy Garcia says over and over is exactly that, right? There's Hmm. a hero inside all of us. We do good things. We do bad things. The press might catch us at our worst moment or our best moment, (laughs) but we all have that hero in us. Well, the thing about life is it gets weird. People are always talking to you about truth. Everybody always knows what the truth is, like it was toilet paper or something, and they got a supply in a closet. But what you learn as you get older is there ain't no truth. All there is is bullshit. Pardon my vulgarity here. Layers of it. One layer of bullshit on top of another. And what you do in life, like when you get older, is you pick the layer of bullshit you prefer, and that's your bullshit, so to speak. Hoffman and Garcia on the ledge, I loved yes. that scene between them. So great, them. so well written. One of the, I think yes. one of the great lines is, you won't get credit. I don't do credit. I'm a cash guy. Whatever that line is. Yes. Fantastic yes. line that so sums good. up the entire movie. It's a fantastic script. But yes, the middle third is has fat on it. And that's where I started to doze and, and come back and rewind. That's where I started to go, okay, we don't need a third example of Andy Garcia giving his life philosophy now you know what i mean it just mm-hmm. it goes yeah. to the well the middle third of the movie goes to the same well a lot before we get you know before we build up to the climax and then the denouement of this movie so i feel like a good 10 15 minutes could have been shaved off that middle third and that's what preston that's what those old preston Sturgis movies you know and movies like it happened one night and things like that the front you know, page they, they take it feels like off. front yeah. page yeah those are Quick, quick and lean. They're very lean. I don't need another Chevy Chase scene. I don't need another. I, I, I don't need the, the Stephen Tobolowsky character at all. At all. No. At all. I don't no. need the yes. cameraman who's very good. James. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but he he's I don't need that point of view. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of fat on this movie in the middle. Third. I think with the cameraman and I think what they were the impression that I got in the beginning and I thought, oh, OK, so they're satirizing the media and how self-important they think they are right. uh, you know even even the fact that Gina Davis gives that speech in the beginning and Boo. she's peeling the onion she's crying but it's all fake she knows that it's all fabricated that she's using the, so I, I was like oh between her it's both and the things. cameraman it's both things at the same time you know right. which is a little bit different from it made me immediately think of the William Hurt moment in broadcast news where he is conjuring up tears and then going how was that did, did we get it you know right. it, it's it's very much the through the looking glass, you know, image, mirror image of that, of that same scene. What if it turns out, after all our digging, after all our painstaking investigation, what if it turns out there wasn't any truth? Just stories. One story after another, layer after layer, until there's nothing left. And if it's like that, do we have any obligation to stop at any point? Or do we just keep going, digging, digging, peeling, 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 till we peeled it all away? We've destroyed what we were investigating in the first place. You know, it's that thing, you know, it's a funny, it's, it's that thing we said about Superman 3 where we said, oh, it's a Brit 
commenting on America. Now, uh, actually, <laughs> what I've learned is Richard Lester, while working a lot, is actually American. I didn't know that. I've always thought of him as a British director because he's oh, wow. done so much of his work with the Beatles and the Three Musketeers movies and Superman. Oh. All his work was done in England, but he's actually an American expat. But um, but it had that same. But but that's what I got from. The, I was like, this is a Brit who's going to make his statement about America, and it has. It feels like it. It's got the the whimsy of like the Preston Sturges and mm-hmm. those kind of old, uh, old fashioned or Capra esque movies. Like little Mister yep. Smith goes to Washington. Yes, all those kinds of yeah. things happen one night. Yeah. But at the same time, Fred, you're right when you say. But it, it wants to have a little more of the. I don't know, the edge and the grit of a network or something like that. It wants to be, it wants to be important. It doesn't want to be as slight <laughs> as those other movies, the, its yeah. forebears kind of feel, uh, uh, slight and light on its feet. It doesn't quite want that because it's Oscar bait. This movie always struck me. Ooh, I remember when it came okay. out, I was like, this is Oscar bait. This Interesting. is, it was like a big Dustin Hoffman movie. They were all like Oscar nominees or winners at this point, the three of them. And it just was, and Stephen Frears has a, yeah. that same pedigree. He's and got it that just cachet, had, yeah. it was like, this is like, one of your big, important awards contender movies. And it feels like they kind of had that on their mind while they were making it. And I think it weighs the movie down a little bit. I think it could have afforded to be a little fleeter on its feet, uh, certainly shorter. Yes. I agree with you, Dan. I think there is a lot of fat because what's good and what pops really does pop and is really fun and effective, but it's kind of gets lost in a... It's like a little bit of a morass in the in the middle. You're right. There's a lot to admire about. That's the weird thing. Like, so it, it's it's your question in the beginning still sort of haunts me, Dan. Is it where where does it lose? Because there's so much to admire with the writing and Hoffman's f- character, and even Garcia's well character. Yeah. How he's just wracked with guilt. You know, and all um, of his stuff is so well written. You you want to stand up and cheer for him. You know, I and think you yeah. go, that's, more that's style. the person that 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 uh, Gina Davis has truly has been looking for all along. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Batman, Jason, because it's like. No, that's the hero we need, which is Batman's mm. whole thing at the right, end of Dark right, Knight, right? right? It's like, right. that's actually the guy. Yes, that's and, it. And, and Dustin right. Hoffman knows that he by the end of the movie. He's like, right. no, you're the yeah. guy. You have to be you're the, the guy. You're and the face. You're the Harvey Dent. Yeah, you're exactly. the guy. Yeah. We yeah. know that you're the guy. Um, and uh, I'm, I think that's I'm, great. He just compared it to Batman. His Jason Sheila rating just went up. No, you my, my Sheila rating is high, actually, even though I'm mixed with it. I'm Overall, I'm high with it, but I think it's that- in suspense. It needs more. It needs more, <laughs> it needs more style. It needs a little more panache. It needs yes, something. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. That's kind of it because yeah, the writing is good. Uh, it needs the that Billy Wilder, smart, you know, pizzazz. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah, it yeah. needs to be sharper and leaner, like network or broadcast it, 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 news or wacky yes. dog. It's kind of riding on a line that it's like it, it, that's what makes it a little soft uh, mm. because it, it kind of isn't hewing to one one of the other really and i gotta say the the part that i'm like that i really disliked and there's only one part i really disliked other than uh-huh. the music which i thought was bad um 
I, the mu- music was overwrought a, a lot of times early, early in the movie. I was like, it agreed. was not. And I was like, okay, are they doing that to manipulate? Are they doing that to signal? Uh, hey, we're manipulating you here. I thought maybe, that that was maybe a Freer's choice to maybe. do it, but I did feel it was overwrought. You're right. It didn't, it didn't really work. I like the Americana music that they plugged, you know, at different points when they would have the marching band music and things like that, or something on the TV. I liked those cues, but that's not original mm. music. That's not original composition. The composition, the actual music, written for the movie was overwrought to me. That's what I remember. And and the other thing is this thing with like, and now we're going to talk about fucking trigger warning. We're going to reenact the plane crash and how you oh, save people from I the plane crash. I thought yeah. that was ridiculous and did not work. Bingo, you don't need all. that. You don't need to cut don't that need whole it. section out of the middle of the movie. You don't yeah, need I forgot it. about that. You're right. That was, that was the really the moment where I took me out and I said, okay, this is, this needs to be leaner. Like, why is this here? No one would ever would do ever, that. Ever unless do it that. was like, it, again, unless you play it so ridiculous. Right. Like, that sort of wag the dog feel, but like we're going so over the top that even pe- people around are like, really, we're doing this? But right. like, they're so, because you do have those shots when Andy Garcia is, you know, on the ledge and suddenly the, 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 um, the cinematography becomes very different, becomes very like over dramatic. Mm. And there's like these crazy shots in the so. music. And it does, I feel like at that point, it's becoming very satirical of like, oh no, our Jesus yes, figure, no, it's pulling no, our strings right, right, in that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's way. and it's very like purposefully, you know, uh, uh, it, it's very a, a very purposeful satire at that point, and it's very big and ridiculous. And maybe yeah. if they were doing that, you know, with that, you know, sort of like in Wag the Dog, where they get the the songwriter to sing the, you know, they write the song, <laughs> right. you know, the Willie Nelson, yeah, the Willie Nelson, that's what it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but they didn't. You're right. Yeah, that section they just didn't go far mm-hmm. enough, and it just seemed like, no, why would you do this? So. And then other touches. Here's a touch I do like that that is also a, a nod to the fantastic. Is the the whole Cinderella thing, right? The shoe, the shoe, like who's going to show up with the right shoe? Yes. It's really yeah. kind fun. of s- sweet and fun when you think about it. Right. Um, yeah, uh, anyway. This screenplay is by David Webb Peoples, and you should know that name, Fred Berman, very very well. David you Webb know what Peoples. this man wrote the screenplay for. What? No, David Webb Peoples? No. Little movie called Blade Runner. Oh, One of your all-time, really? all-time favorites. Jason wow, and I, I did not know that. find it loathsome. No, we don't. <laughs> oh, we that's that's a very strong But we enjoy it. But he, and he's got some, you know, he did Lady Hawk. Uh, Ooh, he's got, some, clunk, he's got Hawk. some clunkers in there. Leviathan. Oh. Um, he's got some really good ones. 12 Monkeys. Unforgiven. He wrote oh, that you wrote the screenplay wow. for, which is an excellent, excellent movie. Right. Um, Same year. So he's Same got year. some good, some good stuff in here. There was some good. Wow. It's a, it's a good. You trim off the trim off some of the things we're talking about. It's a really good screenplay. Agreed. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm great feeling, dialogue. I'm, great dialogue. I want to say eight. Eight Sheila's. That's I'm where I'm eight. sort of living. I'm yeah. awesome. I am. I'm. I'm high too. I'm not as high. I'm a seven point five. I, I will say I really enjoyed the duality of Gina Davis's performance. She is both of these things in the same space. And I did think that was intriguing. It did carry me through. And, and I really liked all three of the journeys of all three main characters um, and, and and what they had, what they were, what this very good script gave them to play with. So I'm a, I'm a 7.5. 
would have been higher if that middle third were leaner and meaner. Yeah. I would I would try to drag you up there, but I feel like that would be Gestapo tactics. I try to, I, and no one, no one should talk to a man like this, but I think you should go higher. Dan, but I'm not going to do that. How have you not played that role? How have if you, you not can't go to, it, listen, if you don't go higher, it's fuck or walk. <laughs> You stupid fucking cunt. T- fuck Caddyshack. This is the most quotable fucking movie. It really is. Oh, my. <laughs> it really is. I was god. watching this movie. I was like, oh my god. Oh my Every god. Line. I haven't watched it in a long time. Same. And I'm like, but I had seen it so many times. Yeah. In college and and in the years since. And I'm like, my whole love of Al Pacino, I think, comes from this movie more than anything before or since. It's like mm. all there. But oh my god. We'll get to all the, all the quotes. Your excuses are your own. Oh. oh. You know, I use that line. I use that line when I was at, when I was working at the Esplanade. I got into a fight with one of the chefs. <laughs> your excuses are your and own. And I went, your excuses are your own. I was like, Jesus, I just quoted Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm, how fucked up you are. Oh, oh, oh. Something might it. have to, we might a have to make a- guy don't walk on the lot lest he wants to buy. Uh, so good, like all these uh, Yeah, I mean, so good. So David good. Mamet, a, a sweetheart of a man and a great writer. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Very pleasant right. human being. Very pleasant. Loves ladies. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about it. Glengarry Glen Ross. What up? What happened? Uh, we had a slight burglary. Criminals come and they, they take, they steal the phones. They stole the phones, they stole the... Oh. You robbed the office. Oh, sure, I robbed the office. Oh, sure. You did that? Will you get out of here? How can you talk to me that way? Are you talking to me? Well, I talk to the police, I get nervous. You know who doesn't? Oh, uh, thieves. What's your name? Al Pacino, Jack Lemon, Alec Baldwin, Ed Harris, Alan Arkin, from the Pulitzer Prize winner, Glengarry Glen Ross. This is how we keep score, the beat. When an office full of New York City real estate salesmen is given the news that all but the top two earners will be fired at the end of the week, anxiety and desperation fill the air. Shelley Levine, played by Jack Lemon, has a sick daughter in the hospital and is willing to do everything in his power to get better leads from his boss, John Williamson, played by Kevin Spacey, but to no avail. Meanwhile, Levine's co-worker Dave Moss, played by Ed Harris, comes up with a plan to steal the leads, while the company's top earner, Ricky Roma, played by Al Pacino, is working his magic on prospective client Jonathan Price. Also starring Alan Arkin and an electrifying Alec Baldwin, Glengarry Glen Ross earned $2.1 million on its opening weekend, on its way to a total box office of $10.7 million. Fred and Dan, I don't know if you guys enjoy Glengarry Glen Ross, but I'm going to ask you now. Do you like it? What do you think? Um, it's like four Sheilas. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Middling. This is, well, we, I'm fairly certain we all saw, we all saw this. We all saw this movie. We saw I this movie. I watched it with you guys in at Hofstra. Well, no, I I saw it in the theaters. I saw it opening weekend. I definitely. remember you talking about it and I did not see it in the theaters. I saw it. In Dan's room at Hofstra. Yeah, it was uh, it was room. a bunch of us all went to the Roosevelt Field Mall to see it, mm. and the, I had the my senior year. I had the poster. Phyllis, I remember, gave me yes. the poster because she knew how much I loved it. I mean, I'll just go to the chase. This is a perfect Ten Sheila movie. This is it's a masterpiece. One yep. of the most delicious feasts of an acting ensemble Mm -hmm. there is. I was thinking about this. I was like, I don't, if you want to be an actor, 
you need you have to watch this movie yeah. it's it's if nothing else just to see how this brilliant ensemble uses this brilliant script and how they stick to it so perfectly and we'll you know I'll get <laughs> to how so obsessed amazing. I was that I literally sat there in our apartment in Queens Jason I don't know if you remember this I I bought the play and I sat there and I watched the movie while reading the mm-hmm. play because I was so curious I do remember how because it just didn't you know I at this time when we saw this movie you know the my junior year of college was the most exciting and exploratory for me as an actor. And this is when I feel like I finally, like things just clicked and I was really like going for it and really trying to dive into things. And, you know, I, I, I think whatever you think of Mamet, I think a lot of young male actors go through a a Mamet phase where there's sort of a fascination because you hear of these stories of like people who would be considered heroes like, you know, Pacino and Robert Duvall and all but you know, it's like, it's just so like, you know, for better or for worse, very just like male angsty and desperate male thing. And I think there's a, there's a point in, in maybe every young actor's life where you go, Oh, let's, what is that about? What is that about? There's the cursing and the language. And it was almost to me, it, it was almost like Shakespeare, where I was like, well, I don't understand it. Like, Mamet is another language. And <laughs> yeah. it is Shakespeare. And it is musical the way he writes. Very. Mm-hmm. And so I was... I mean, you know, I saw it in the theaters. I was blown away. I saw it many, many times after that. Always blown away. And then I just got to a point where I was so fascinated with the Mamet dialogue and how these actors played it. I remember thinking, well, they've got to be, because Mamet was really big. He also had that book, um, uh, uh, um, the practical handbook for an actor. And around oh, yeah. this time, he also came out with a book called, um, uh, what was it? God, uh, uh, Restaurants. No, no, no. Truth or Dare? Is that what it was called? Not oh, Truth true or Dare. Of, it was True and False. True true and False. Yeah. The most infuriating book I've ever read. I fucking, yeah. I could not stand it. Yeah, I never read I, that. I remember I went to see him speak at Barnes & Noble and he drove me nuts because he was just contradicting himself left and right. Yeah. And Alex so, Baldwin was, does the does the foreword for that book where he's like, this book is infuriating and also wonderful. Yes. Like he's, he's, yes. he's, he's like, I disagree with almost everything in this book and yet every yes. actor should read it. You know, yes. it's, 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 it's a book that's wow. made to do that to you. It's yeah. no question. And so I don't I know was, this book And all. so that was around it's, it's really the time good. when I think we were living in Queens and I was, so, but I was fascinated in like, okay, well, what does it mean? How do you be a mammoth actor because I'd seen mm. other mammoth things here and there with other actors that didn't it didn't get me. It seemed very you know, they're like okay we're saying the lines just as they're supposed to be said because that's what David Mammoth wants. Um, and this wasn't like that at all. I mean these characters mm. are so they are so I, I was just thinking well they've got to be going off script a little bit or like how do you do that as an actor? So I sat there and guys other than Ed Harris who adds he adds. A word, one word, <laughs> everyone else is word perfect down to the ellipses and mm-hmm. to the, the like Syllables. the commas. Yeah. It's, it was unbelievable. It was one of the craziest and like greatest acting lessons. Mm. Just, just seeing what they were able to do. So to say I was sort of obsessed with it is that's an understatement, <laughs> you know, but, um, but it I is mean, like Shakespeare. Think of all the ways you can interpret Shakespeare. Think of yes, how many correct. good and bad Hamlets you've seen and like, what's the difference and why and how the same words can be, you know what I mean? It is, it, it is. It's like, it's a feast for an actor, that script, yeah. this, this script, you know, but, uh, but it is, it's hard to see. It's, it's inspiring to see like, 
what an Al Pacino can do. Well, that's what it was. The, with yes. just using exactly the words that he's given and how it's indelible. The words are perfect, but I'll never forget how. And, and it's also because it's on film and I've seen it a lot, but yeah. you could hear it once. You could hear some of the things Al Pacino says <laughs> once or the way Jack Lemon says these things once oh, yeah. or oh. Alec Baldwin, and they would be burned into your brain. You make a close, this whole place stinks with your farts for a week. How much you just ingested. Oh, what a big man you are. Hey, let me buy you a pack of gum. I'll show you how to chew it. Ooh, your pal closes. All that comes out of your mouth is bile. Ooh, how fucked up you are. He yeah. says, I mean, Jesus Christ, how many times as an actor you're reading through a script and you see the letters E-H, question mark. <laughs> and you're like, how do you say? And most, 99% of the time, most actors will not say, eh, uh-huh, they'll do something. Yes. He says, what is the line? I, have, I wrote it down because I remember that. He says, uh, she brought me cafe au lait, gives me a cigarette. My balls feel like concrete. Hey. My balls feel like concrete. Eh? He says it. <laughs> yeah. And you don't doubt it for a fucking second. The only reason it popped out at me was because that day, that, that evening in Astoria, yeah. sitting on the floor of our living room going, Oh my God. He said, it's, he's actually he's saying, saying that. Yeah. He sticks to it exactly. Yeah. And they all do. Like I said, Ed Harris, there was like one word that he added. Do you remember and what I would have asked him about that when I met him, <laughs> you know, when we had our conversation. <laughs> but things went off the rails. So you're a sloppy actor. Can I sit down? Are you going to finish that? Yeah. You clearly don't uh, want to talk to me, but can we talk about the word you added in Glengarry? Fuck you. You got the memory of a fucking fly. I mean, but it was, that was stunning to me to realize that. And Jesus Christ, they're all so fucking good. It's uh, to me, this is my, it's my favorite Pacino performance. It used to like, it's number three is Michael Corleone. Number two is Sonny and Dog Day Afternoon. This is number one. Mm. He's Fu- and we've talked about this on the Scent of a Woman episode. We know he, because he was up, you know. For both, for yeah. both yeah. in the same, the same year. year. He, he should have won for this. He won for Scent of a Woman because it was the Legacy Award. And don't get me wrong, he's fantastic in it. Yeah. He is, this is this is up there for me with Heath Ledger's The Joker. It's one of the greatest screen performances it, it, ever. You're absolutely so, right. You're absolutely right. Who did win? Gene Hackman, Unforgiven, right? This year. Yeah. Who was great Amazing. and deserves it, of course. But yeah, no, this is, it's mesmerizing. It's mesmerizing. Mes- that's a great word for it. And not even, you know, you think, you think of like the big moments, you know, of him, you know, how fucked up you are, you know, and when he's screaming, but his quiet moments that those scenes with Jonathan Price. They're seduction. It's sexual. They're seduction. He's seducing Jonathan Price. It's so great. And and so many, and watching it this time, especially at the end when, when Jonathan Price comes back in, who again, Jonathan Price, Jonathan Price and Bruce Altman, like the unsung heroes in the movie, because they have so little to say, but but there's Jonathan Price really says nothing, almost nothing, but you understand his entire history and life. But I'm watching that scene this time going, Pacino's making no sense. What he's saying doesn't make sense. He's literally just trying to trap him. He's trying to string it's such him along. Comedy. I, I never appreciated how fucking funny that scene is, and how yeah. the, the shit about how many business days is incredible. Yeah. It's, it's so nonsense. He's funny. like just it's he's so just funny. running on fumes. But you're seeing a yeah. salesman. You're seeing a consummate bullshit artist with nothing. He has no hand. 
and he's still working it. It's very, I, 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 we all use this word way too much now, this made up word, Trumpian, right? Like yeah. how can a person, you know what you're saying is complete horse shit, but you yeah. are, you're slinging it. You are mm-hmm. slinging it. Three business days, they mean. Three business days. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I don't understand. That's what they are, they're three business days. If we wait till Monday, my time limit runs out. You don't count Saturday. I'm not. I'm saying you don't include Saturday in three days. It's not a business day. I am not counting it. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so it would have elapsed. What would have elapsed? If we wait till Monday, it would have elapsed. I mean, we can just, we should just go through each of the actors. I mean, because then you talk about (laughs) Lemon. Talk about a guy who I've never seen an actor make such clear emotional beat shifts in the span of a sentence. I mean, in one sentence, he goes from like fury to desperation to sort of coddling to ingratiate. I mean, it's all there. And and I was never, you know, I don't, I've always liked Jack Lemmon, but like, I've never been a huge fan, but this, this, and God, I'll tell you, it's thank God for James Foley and, uh, and, and Mamet deciding to add those because you add the Baldwin scene in and you add the stuff about Lemon's daughter, this, the stakes are raised. Now, suddenly you have Through stakes the fucking roof. and Agreed. you understand it and it's just, it's it's gorgeous. Actually, you know what? Sorry, I'm just going on and then I'll fucking shut up for a second but before I forget, another brilliant Pacino moment that brought me so much joy watching it this time and I never noticed it. It's when it's between him and Lemon because in the in the second half of the movie when uh, 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 when when Arkin is going off again, brilliant performance, so you can tell that Pacino doesn't really, he's listening to him but he doesn't really care. Yeah, you know, right. he's sort of like, oh, okay, like this is a guy, I don't, yeah. you're sort of on your way out. You can tell that he's got a soft spot for Shelley the Machine Levine. For sure. And when Levine is telling movie. him the story, and pitching it, I've never. I was thinking about this watching this. Obviously, Pacino's a great listener. I don't think I've ever actually seen him in a movie. Normally, when you see an actor like that listening, they're uh, they're listening like as Michael Corleone. He's always listening, but there, you see the wheels turning in all mm. of his characters. In all his great characters, he's listening, but their wheels turning. I've never seen Pacino so open. He's just sitting back, yeah. chewing gum. Listening to Jack Lemon as Shelley Levine tell the story, and he's enjoying it, and he's so into it. It's a beautiful. Mo- I'm like, I've never seen Pacino that open before. Just letting the other actor yeah. do their thing. No wheels turning. There's nothing. There's nothing like, oh, what's going to be going on? What are the machinations? He's just listening to a great salesman talk about a great sale, and that's what they. That's what he fucking lives for. It's all about. It's beautiful. That sale. And James Foley is so brilliant because he's pulling the camera back that's on right. that and yes. like leaving that. And you would say in a different movie, you'd say the end. The old salesman <laughs> finally, and the young, the young upstart salesman is like appreciate yeah, you to be like ah respect right. for elders and oh he he pulled out a sale and look at them they're not in competition they're friends the end I mean it <laughs> has it that like, feel yeah. to it it's very beautiful yes, the way the yeah. camera is it doesn't just keep them in a wide shot and just sit with them it pulls back in that kind of that feeling of like and now we're gonna fade to black it's very beautiful and I just want to ask this before Dan you jump in yeah. One of my favorite moments, is this in the script when, when I don't think it can be because it sounds like it's something that was just caught in the audio and they kept it when 
when Jack Lemon does that kind of, I can't remember the line, but he's like, oh, he does this kind of cowering thing uh, with Spacey. And oh, you yeah, hear yeah. Pacino laugh in the background. He starts to laugh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hear that in the background. It's so good. It's good. And I'm like, is that just a genuine, do we think that's just a genuine, like, I think that's a I mean, genuine a just moment, choice, yeah. But obviously, but it's uh, it's just a genuine thing that happened, and, and because Pacino's not, they don't cut to him. There is no coverage you of it. You just hear it in the background. <laughs> ah, I love it so much. It's one of my favorite things about the movie, and I just think it's a beautiful little. If it, it may be a mistake in something that's so so carefully crafted you know we right. talk about how like kind of flabby hero is or whatever and then you say this is just between the script the 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 economy and the excellence of the script and and the actors being so precise with it and james foley is fucking brilliant directs it's this thing brilliantly beautifully filmed it's so gorgeous i a very big I, I could go on and on about it i think he films it beautifully those the, like sweeping camera pans yes. that just come out of nowhere the, the cinematography the at the beginning the colors the blue and the red at the beginning i was like oh you talk about like this a parable for uh, this is america right this is the, the, the this is just, yeah. just like this is like late stage capitalism and just like what what men have brought down to and it's just the opening of the movie is all these deep blues and reds and then the the hard light hits lemon when he's on the phone so you've got red white and blue in like every frame for Neat. the first like yeah. five oh, minutes wow. or something yeah. it's just gorgeous it's so so well made i also like that the movie because i don't know the play i don't really know the play well i've never seen the play so i didn't know the differences uh, except that the the baldwin thing is so famously mm. you know stands out as like a total creation for the film but i loved as i was watching it literally the movie is it's exactly i think 100 minutes just about and mm. at the 50 minute mark precisely is when it shifts from night to day. That's the mm. next morning is at the exact midpoint of the movie. And I'm like, oh, I, wow. I just thought that was very interesting. And I didn't know if that was, if the play is that even like time wise, if they're truly two halves, but that's exactly what it is in the film. So it's just even that, 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 um, uh, the, the, the parallels or the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That the, yeah, the parallels of time, even the yeah. parallels of time or yes, I mean, I'm not, the, the, the word will jump to me, but I just loved how evenly bifurcated the, the experience is. Uh, yeah, yep. it's just so fucking good. Anyway, Dan, please hold forth. Titanic Herculean. <laughs> acting from Jack Lemon in this. Remarkable. He's my favorite in the movie. I can't can't even put into words how how dynamic and like you said with all the tactical shifts and the, all of the different things he's doing and it, it's also wonderful that he is um he is the old guard of of an earlier era in Hollywood. Right. And you don't expect mm -hmm. to hear Jack Lemon say the F word and to say mother effer and all, and all of this <laughs> yeah. stuff. You don't expect it. And I wonder if what made Lemon laugh is that here's Jack Lemon in that Pacino moment going, go, say, say it again. Pacino, Pacino laugh. laugh. Oh, what, 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 what laugh. made Pacino laugh is that Jack Lemon, this old, you know, who we love from, you know, uh, 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 some like it hot and all these old classic movies in that moment where he goes, Oh, oh, oh he holds his crotch. He puts his hands yeah. on his crotch in that <laughs> moment. <laughs> this movie is so much about manhood, right. Yeah. And, and the, and yeah. the patriarchy and the loss of manhood and how we define manhood yeah. by winning and losing your end of the month. Fucking boy. You do not know how to run this office. You haven't got the sense. You haven't got the balls. 
Have you ever been on a set? Has this cocksucker ever been on a set? Did you if ever you, sit with I a customer? Calm down. Oh, would you? Oh, my God, what are you going to do, fire me? Oh, 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 Rick, oh. It's not impossible. Oh, really? On an $80,000 day or what? It's not even noon yet. The, uh, uh, and the Baldwin scene, yeah, is, is terrific and a great setup. And you need it. I think you do need yeah. it. And it's not in the play. But the, but the way that this sets up manhood as associated with with winning and you know loss of manhood loss of of masculinity as associated with losing i mean talk about trumpian that's his entire thing that's his yeah. whole thing of like there are winners and there are losers and the worst mm-hmm. thing you can be in the world is a loser yeah. and that's why i wanted mighty ducks to sort of go to go no it's actually not the worst thing you can be because right. you're, you're that doesn't define you these men in this are defined by money by winning by losing and that's all set up with the baldwin with the baldwin thing and i think that's the master stroke of this movie A-I-D-A, attention, interest, decision, action. Attention, do I have your attention? Interest, are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You close or you hit the bricks. Decision, have you made your decision for Christ? An action. A-I-D-A, get out there. You got the prospects coming in. You think they came in to get out of the rain? A guy don't walk on the lot lest he wants to buy sitting out there waiting to give you their money. Are you going to take it? Are you man enough to take it? Um, James Foley is constantly changing the axis of action in this. And by that, I mean, if you're doing an over the shoulder shot, right, where I'm here and Fred's here, Mm-hmm. And then he will move the camera to the other mm-hmm. side yeah. of the person mm-hmm. while the scene is going on to shift the focus, to shift the point of view and change the axis. Now we're on the other side of this conversation. I haven't moved. I haven't cut to the other to do an over the shoulder of the other person. I've just moved it to the other side. He does yeah. it again and again and again in this movie at key points in conversations. He's he's moving the camera in order to provide us with, and here are the, and here is where it shifts. You know, the actors are obviously doing it too, but here's where something shifts, something changes. Now pay attention to this next thing that you're going to hear this person, person say, um, I, I, you know, can't really say enough about, about Jack Lemon. It's an inspiring, um, just mountain moving, uh, performance uh, mm-hmm. in, in this thing, and and it's my favorite performance of his uh, from mm-hmm. a from a freaking Hollywood uh, legend and a theater legend as well. He yeah. did a lot, a lot of theater, and he and Spacey, uh, I think, had done that that legendary They'd production Long of Days Long Journey, Days Journey think, right? by this time, where Spacey right. learned so much from him, and and he used to talk about that often. Um, Do you think that's how Spacey ended up in this? I did not. I was I don't uh, know. Spacey was not on my radar. He was the only actor not in yet. this. I didn't know who he was. I was like, ooh, look at that plum roll going to this unknown actor. But of course, he was a right. very accomplished theater guy. When we saw it in the theaters, that's what we were all thinking, too. We're like, who's that guy? And yeah. I remember, and I think I mentioned this when we talked about American Beauty, that when I did see this movie the first time, he was the only person who I was like, I don't really know what he's doing. Yeah. And maybe because he was an unknown <laughs> quantity, you know, but what, right. but since then i mean in watching it again the other night i mean he's fantastic in it he's really yeah. really that's the thing like they're all kind of has the hardest part fucking top 
notch. I was thinking, you know, you mentioned the the point of access shots and, and I kept thinking, I go, and just keeping it, getting rid of that staticness, but the Ed Harris, Alan Arkin stuff. I mean, the the other thing that adds to it is you see these guys. It's so sad. It's like it's very five o'clock. Most people are going home. Yeah. They got to get out there. They got to hustle. Like how fucking, a guy came to my door the other day trying to sell us solar panels. And I'm thinking, man, but that was like during the middle of the day. These guys are going at night because they know the people are going to be home out, you know, after work. They're trying to corner these people. It's so sad. And they've lost, and Alan Arkin all but says that like, I, I, I don't know what's, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like he's lost his manhood. It's, it's Willie but, Loman, except you get five Willie Lomans in this. <laughs> right. Five different shades of Willie Loman. Right. And you see all the different ages and how you can see like the, the, these men are tired and they're yeah. aging out of it. And it's like, and Pacino's right in the middle there, right. you know, Ed Harris, little young. That's what's great about the Ed Harris character is that he is set younger, up as the ca- and the complete counterpoint to Baldwin, right? It's like you bring in yeah. a complete peer, like, you know, age wise and you know they're both young good-looking men and yeah. baldwin's got his hair and he's got the money and he's got everything else on the attitude and he's and he's in harris's face and harris takes oh. it the most personally because he's like that's where that's supposed to be me that's what it feels yeah. like i mean and that's i just think it's brilliant that moment brilliant where he how asks how much did he make yeah. he's like how much did you make this year and the look on harris's face the humiliation the the the, the, so the, the realization of I know the answer. I'm not going to tell you. Of course but not. Yes, right. it's it's awful. I mean, he's God, fucking he's amazing. Fucking, that's the thing. Every it's like person I can, in it is fucking person, amazing. I could go through this movie, and each time I watch it, someone else is going to be my favorite because <laughs> Ed Harris. And, and, and oh God, it's I can't even talk much. Ed Harris and. I feel like I'm talking, I'm talking like Alan Arkin does in that scene with Ed Harris, where he literally, he says, I, I, and in the script, again, this like is another Cosby. moment, where I'm looking, yeah. he's looking, in the, I'm reading the script, and it's just, I, ellipses, Ed Harris line, I, ellipses, Ed Harris, the character's name isn't Ed Harris, it's um, Moss, but the fact that Arkin can pull that off, he's so... He doesn't say anything in the scene, but he's so alive and present. (laughs) He fucking sells the ellipses better than anyone I've seen. And it's beautiful. And you feel the sadness and the desperation of a guy who's like, I'm not a man anymore. And Ed Harris is... You know, it's brilliant. They're all selling something. Ed Harris, that whole time, he's, selling. he's coming up. He's selling. He's like, how do I get this? Yeah, and it's so great because yeah. mm. the scene doesn't start thinking, oh, there's a guy with machinations. Like, no. by the time he gets to it of the idea, he's he's a great salesman, Ed Harris. Yes. Moss is a great salesman in the sense that he's reeling Alan Arkin in. He's slowly dropping hints. And then he sort of gets there. And then he said, you know what we should do? It's crazy. We should do this. And, and, and even Pacino, the way he sells it, I love another moment where he finally pulls out the contract with Jonathan Price, and he's like, "This might mean something to you." I don't know. I don't know anything. Like he's playing it so he's like, "It's so now." Like I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a good idea, but let's just look at it. And that's what Ed Harris does with Alan Arkin, where he's like, "You know, what we should do. It's crazy. We should. Someone should rob the office." Yeah. You know. And then it's like slowly reeling him in, and it's the same thing again, where Alan Arkin's like, are we, are we saying this? Is an actual plan? Are we saying this? Or we di- they're just, are we talking about all, it, or are, are we, we talking about it? Are we speaking about it? Yeah, the so distinction. Good. So good! You're actually talking about this. That's right. You're gonna steal the leads. Have I said that? Are you? Did I say that? Did you talk to Graham? What did I say? 
What'd he say? What did he say? He'd buy him. Alec Baldwin. I mean, this announces, I mean, this is, he had been in films for years. I'd seen him in like a half a dozen films at this point. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, look at this actor that I'm looking at. Look at this incredible actor. He's amazing. This is like a guy who's like given a shot and he takes it and he, he knocks it out of the park and he doesn't look back. Now he did not have the, I mean, I think. Alec Baldwin on 30 Rock is like a, a singular achievement. Yes. I think he is so incredible yeah. in those, whatever it is, six or seven seasons. It's one of like my top three favorite television performances, an arc of a, I won't even say an arc of a character because it's not like he changes so much, but the body of work, you know, it's like sure, a yeah. Carol O'Connor level to me. Like, like he's just <laughs> yes. fucking amazing. Every episode, every second of every episode on that show as a movie star, he never quite, he, the promise of Glenn Gary never translated into him being like the kind of epic movie star, you know, in contention for Oscars that I think he should have been, uh, you know, but I mean, again, amazing and has this body of work to reflect on, but here he was in originally this movie, supposed to play Roma. I read oh, in, wow. this? There, in the there film? was a version years ago or years before this came out. I never knew this. He would have been where great. He was approached to play Roma and then they, they pulled it. They didn't do it. And yeah, stage version. No, or, or the, in the this film, film version, in the film. Oh, the wow. film version. And then something happened. I might be getting the story wrong. They shelved it and uh, they, they might've canned it or something happened where it wasn't going to happen. And then, he was annoyed at it. He was, they, they, I think they sent him the script and he was like, nah, fuck that. Like I was supposed to play Roma. But then they were like, no, we wrote this new role for you. And he basically told his agents, he's like, this is, he's, he said, I've read 20 scripts today, full scripts. And this monologue is the best thing I've read in years. I'm doing this no matter what. Awesome. The, 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 uh, this character. Yes. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, it's incredible. And the, and, and the whole scene is just, I kept taking note after note. I'm like, oh my God, it's so good. And it is, it's the most famous scene in the movie. It's the most oft parodied. It's everybody mm-hmm. was ABC, always be closing, mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, Again, here's a confluence of the perfect writing, perfect acting, and and perfect direction. <laughs> you want a second prize? Is set of steak knives, and the steak <laughs> knives come up out of nowhere. Like you haven't seen them, them, and the camera. <laughs> It's so good. The camera is like sitting at a level where, you know, he points to the poster of the car Mm -hmm. and the camera's cutting off where you would be able to see. So you can't see him grab them, reach for anything. He's just talking to the camera and then up pop the steak knives into the frame and then out again. It's fan fucking fantastic. And also the dexterity of him grabbing those brass balls. Like it's so smooth behind the suitcase. It's so smooth. Like you don't even realize something's happening. He steps behind it and he comes out and there's brass balls in his hand. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't even see a muscle move to get them or situate them. It's very funny. He's it's like a magician very, very yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Very. Sleight of hand all through the thing. And Incredible. that's the manhood thing, right? The brass balls, right? It's brass yeah. balls, it's, yeah. It's reinforcing that you are a man if you have these. We're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize, a set of steak knives. 
Third prize is you're fired. You know what line just popped out at me when this time, and there's so many, like I just, the, the way Mamet writes, the get them to sign on the line, line that, that is, is dotted. dotted. Is dotted. It's I so great. I mean, too. it's right. His writing is really, when when he's at its, when at his peak, Mamet, it's masterful because yeah. it's so, he writes, he he writes like no one else. You're like, this should not be, you're writing like, like Yoda almost, right. you know? Um, but it works. It's almost like biblical the way he writes. They, they sound like they're like lines. I mean, he says that a guy don't walk on the lot lest, lest, lest he, he wants, wants to buy. buy. Yes. David Mamet writes That's lest, right? Yeah. But, no, who but talks I love, like that, um, right? But it's, I love when he says in the beginning, style. when he's like, yeah. they're like, uh, uh, they all here. No, we're still waiting for something. Well, I'm going anyway. For some reason, that line, well, I'm going anyway, yeah. just popped out at me this time. It's like, I got no fucking time for this. I'm just going. And like, to me, that's the movie. Boom, it just starts to go. And it's just a, it's just a steamroller where it never, mm-hmm. for a movie that is so dialogue heavy and there's really no action at all, this movie moves. It just, there's oh, never a moment where it drags. Yeah, no. And you know what helps yeah. too? Going back to James Foley and like the brilliant cinematography and the direction, the sound design, the oh, train, yeah. the yeah. elevated train, the rain. The music adds, is great. I mean, the, the music is great music too. music is great. And that's James but, Newton Howard, who uh, yeah. he's a composer of lots of things. He, he was co-composer with Hans Zimmer for uh, Dark Knight and, uh, and those films. Oh, but, uh, cool. Now, um, I saw the stage production they did most recently where Pacino played Shelley Oh, Levine. how was that? And it, wasn't he had some line struggles with that? I, that's what, yeah, who knows? Okay. That's what people were saying. I, I didn't like it. I found it. I remember I was so excited. Kate got me the tickets. I was mm. so, so excited. And we both looked at each other after and was really like, eh, it works better. As a, it, it's really, here's the thing. And Cannavale the, the, was, was. Cannavale, yeah. Was he was really good. Yeah. And you know, who was really, David Harbour was oh. really good at, at Williamson. He had the best, oh, cool. you know, another oh, famous line I is, love, will, will, go to lunch. Will you go to lunch? Yes. Go, yeah. to, <laughs> go space. to lunch. And. I'll say this, the, 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 the thing that I had the hardest time with seeing the stage show, seeing it now, I could not, I, it's like you said, Jason, this is one of the most quotable movies. I know, I know the music of this yeah. movie. When I say the, when I say the music, I mean the way the actors say the dialogue. Yeah. I know the line readings so well. And especially Pacino, um, they're just, it's like a part of yeah. my musical DNA in my head. You know it so well. Hearing them it differently was, is odd. It was so it threw me off. I couldn't yeah. get my head around. And the only one that really rose above it for me, and they were all great. Bobby Cannavale, they, I, I feel like you go into a play like that, especially Bobby Cannavale being on stage with Pacino being like, yeah. how am I going to do this? I'm doing this guy's uh, one of his most uh, iconic uh, uh, roles. Yeah, his most, all these iconic line readings <laughs> to him. But David Harbour, when he did the, will you go to lunch? He literally came out screaming. He's going, will you go to lunch? <laughs> It was just, you uh, saw a man who just <laughs> lost it. He loses his shit. And I, I howled with laughter. It's great. great. But it a, was, yeah, um, I don't know if Pacino, th- those were the rumors that like he didn't know his lines and he was struggling. Or I don't know if that was just how he was playing it as like a really doddering old man. And it was sad, but I couldn't. I, it, this movie is so important to me and so <laughs> beloved that I couldn't see, unfortunately, I couldn't see past my love of this fucking brilliant ensemble to see anyone else do it. It was really hard. They were all, they, they did a good job. They did a good job. They were yeah. good. 
but I was like, oh, I can't. It was, it's, you, it's, it's, I, think I hate they to na- say they it, nailed it's perfection. It, yeah, they nailed it you know? so well that it really, it's, it's hard, it's hard for any, for a comp, you could have like, in this production, there was a great Ricky Romo. There was a great, yeah. Ch- yeah. like, how are you ever going to get, you know, these are all Titans, right? Yeah. And they're, and it's captured on film forever. Uh, how can any production live? I mean, maybe there will be one someday, but I mean, maybe I, it's hard but to it's imagine. Also, it's hard to imagine. I, d- I also don't think after th- the play is not as good as the movie. And it's because of the Baldwin scene yeah. and yeah. Lemon's daughter yeah. and seeing them, it raises just those little things and they're not little things they're major they're things huge. but just yeah but they raise the stakes of the of of the piece yeah. so much that without them it's not as exciting it's not as interesting yeah. i mean if maybe if those things never existed it's still a, it's still a fascinating you know, look at the lives of these type of men and uh, exactly in what it takes to be a man and yeah. selling. And it's, uh, it's still a Pulitzer Prize winning guys. play. I mean, it's one of the yeah. great American I mean, the, plays in and it's, of itself. But you're right. The, DN, the DNA has changed, changed enough from play to movie yes, that you could probably sure. go back to the play and like look at it. You know, the play is the play and, and yeah. you could probably have, have fresh eyes with it at some point with the yeah. right group of people because it doesn't play by all the exact same rules. You know, you know who played Link in the production that I saw? <laughs> Tom Wopat. Oh, right. Luke oh, Duke. right. Luke goddamn Duke. He and I heard he was great. Excellent. Excellent, yeah, excellent. So him. vulnerable, so soft, so just, he had a little sweater on and, and he, he was just <laughs> like, you know, he was the opposite of like, you know, and, and that's brilliant casting, right? Because who's more manly than Duke boys? Right, like exactly, we grew up with right. them as like yes. paragons of like, man, uh. and, and then you take him and take all of his, you know, manhood away. It was, it was terrific casting. Terrific. Last thing I'll say is the, 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 the there's a wonderful sort of meta theatricality or meta moment of of seeing lemon and pacino in that in that in that moment when he is you know describing the sale mm-hmm. to him to and this is my favorite line to harriet and blah blah nyborg that's yeah, my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. line yes. in the movie harriet and blah blah nyborg that's i will <laughs> never i say that all the time but um that moment is so meta because he has already said to him i learned it from you Right. That's what I learned from you. And now you have the old master and the Mm -hmm. young, the younger guy, the young, the old actor and the younger actor, Jack Lemon, Al Pacino. And and Lemon is sitting back and watching the master. And Uh, and someday he'll be gone and someday he'll be the master to somebody else. And I'm sure maybe that was that way for Cannavale, who is in some ways a younger Pacino. Um, And maybe it'll be that way when old Pacino and young Pacino call in next time. But unfortunately, <laughs> maybe next week, maybe call they'll in call in and we'll find out. And wow. I'll ring in on it. But that was, that's one of my favorite moments in this rewatch <laughs> was going, Oh, look at the old master yeah. and the young yeah. master from whom he learned his craft. So, so, so cool. I yeah. That was it. a beautiful, beautiful. that also I, I need, I should bring up. It's our friend Pete's favorite moment. The, the dialogue is where he goes, uh, She's talking, Jacqueline was talking about the crumb cake. And yes. he's like, she's about a crumb cake. How was it? From the store. Fucker. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's just great. It's such weird, random dialogue yeah. that like, you, oh, she brought it up from the store. You, you know, it's a brilliant her. little line reading. It's a, probably Pacino's simplest line. They say they find the guy who broke in and he says, 
no. And he looks at the at the office and says, I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Yes. He, he, it's so good. Because that's the moment knows. where it's, he's, he's, he's like, oh, no, Shelly. Like, he's like, it's Shelly. Yeah. And he's just yeah. Like, yeah. It's so good. It's yep. so good. It's perfect. Mm. How many Sheilas? All of the Sheilas. Uh, ten. All of the Sheilas. Ten. It's a 10. Ten. They're oh, all so gosh. good. Seriously, if you're listening to this podcast and you've never seen Glengarry Glen Ross, Please go see, especially if, if you're listening, if, seriously, if, if, if we still have students still listening to this yeah. podcast mm. and they haven't dumped us and you're a student <laughs> of the theater or, or acting, you have an interest or you want to be a, a, a writer, please sit down and watch this movie. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, I mean, I think about it just some of the shit. God, I think about some of the stupid shit that I do on stage every night and <laughs> <laughs> it all comes in many ways I learned so much, maybe for better or for worse, from this movie and how how to use the script and how to take chances with the script and how to use the language. And it's uh, it's really amazing. It's amazing watching these guys use the language. And, you know, you said it before. It's so like it's like sweeping, elevated language, but they bring it. They make it so down to earth. Yeah. yeah. And that's that brought me back to why I picked up the script, because I didn't. I didn't believe, I said, there's no way that actors could take these lines and read them as exactly written and make them seem this natural and realistic and truthful. And they fucking do every and, single one and of them. And that's only great Shakespeare right? too. <laughs> that's what people do with Shakespeare. With great yeah. Shakespeare, you're like, why yes. is it that I understand him and I don't understand him? There you go. And you look yeah. at the script and you're like, he must be like f- flubbing the lines or making it more accessible. Mm-hmm. And then you look and you're like, no, those are the words. It's just somebody made me understand it. Made me that's feel how I it. felt when I saw yeah. both you and Dan in that production of Love's Labors. I'm like, why do I understand Jason? And I don't know what the fuck Dan is saying. Oh, I literally don't understand. No, no I'm kidding. That goes without saying. That goes without saying. <laughs> I've never <laughs> been in Love's Labors. But Lost. It's also because <laughs> you addressed <laughs> your. Pl- what, what was the show that you guys did? I said, I've never what? been in Love's Labors. Lost. So maybe that Labors. was your point of confusion. Maybe that's why. What, what play did you guys do together? We did a lot, but that ends well. That's what it was. Yeah. You know what yeah. it was? It was because you were dressed as a woman sometimes, <sighs> and I was just so take. I was just ogling your uh, your fine of physique. Which, there. You know, I feel like we we <laughs> say like, oh, if you're an actor, you got to see that. Have there been? And I know it's cheap. Have there been all female yes. production? I mean, yes, there have. There have because there should be. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. It's so great, and it's like, uh, but there's you know, there's no of opportunity. Yes, yes, there's no mm-hmm. opportunity for a woman. Like you know, but I, I would think even in just scene study classes or whatever. I mean, ma'am, it's so toxic now and like there's great right. stuff for women written for women by women yeah. or written by men for women that you could yeah. do but i mean it's it is like you know i don't know it's like it's it's a great piece and it's you know just be, in terms be of cool working on the material it. yeah but again you know for, for, i don't know if it would for, work as a you yeah know, I mean. for better or for worse what mamet does really well is he explores the, it's like the psyche of this desperate male you know yeah. i don't want i don't yeah. want to take the piece away from uh, from women from doing it no but there is a very there's a there's a dark desperation there's a really seedy side to a lot of males to most males whether we keep it tamped down or not that is there that is uniquely male and i'm not saying that in a good way i'm saying that in a bad way and that's what mamet does with plays like this in american buffalo you know not he's not as successful in other plays but in in something like this it is that that 
male drive of how do I be, how do I get ahead? How do I prove who I am as a male that, uh, you know. And and the Hofstra community saw that with our village people uh, performance. (laughs) Oh, God, there's a lot of male desperation. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, the biker is Ricky Roma. Um, the construction <laughs> worker is is uh, is definitely uh, uh, he seems a little more he's more of a moss, don't you think? The construction yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, the, the out of place. He's out of, angry at his place in life. Right. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be working <laughs> on the hot tar. No, he's angry he must about be riding it. a bike. Yeah, you know, and, and then you have. Uh, uh, didn't village people have a sailor or an army guy at one point? Yes, they switched in and out. The cop became the sailor. There, there's a different guy. Yeah. Okay, so that's got to be Williamson because he's sort of the militaristic, you know, he's sort of the yes, authority yeah, figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's left? The cowboy. The cowboy of the group. It's like Alan Arkin because, again, there's no, who wants cowboys? <laughs> No one's got any use for cowboys anymore. He's like Woody in Toy Story. Then they're, they're moving past me now. And I, who wants a cowboy? Yeah. No, man, no man has the right. No man has the right to tell me to take off my hat. No man has the right. Oh my God. Well, yeah, try 10. Another try 10. We That's don't have right. many of them on this show, but no, uh, but there you go. Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. A classic. And actually, Glenn Gary ties into, I know it's going to tie into next. Uh, our next episode, I was going to say next week's, but you know, at the rate we're going, Who knows? God, Christ knows when it'll be really, no, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we will be back with another episode of opening weekend. We will be revisiting October 31st, 1997 and the 25th anniversary of the wide release of Paul Thomas Anderson's sophomore effort, Boogie Nights, yes. starring Mark Wahlberg, Julianne Moore, Heather Graham, John C. Riley, Don Cheadle, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Louis Guzman, William H. Macy, Ricky Jay, Melora Walters, and Burt Reynolds as Jack Horner. Uh, and in honor of Boogie Nights and of Glengarry Glen Ross, really, we are also going to list our top 10 favorite ensemble casts. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wow. That is next up because that's the, that's the big release. That's a tough one. one. But I think we know, I think we already know one movie that will be on (laughs) all our lists. And it's funny. It wasn't until I was watching (laughs) Glenn Gary again that I was like, oh, well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, obviously, but I didn't realize how close it was on the schedule to, uh, uh, our ensemble wow. episode because Boogie Nights is a fucking I, that's why I read like every name I could think of that's like an epic ensemble as Pretty are much. many of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies I thought you say we're going to do our top 10 uh, 70s porno films oh, which I would say can we please do top 20 we because do- <laughs> I don't know how I can fit them all in that's what she said that's my joke damn it Dwight <laughs> mine no, is Glenn, Glenn's hairy uh, what was your what was it <laughs> Once One's hairy, hairy one's, one's lost. <laughs> because the, the joke was, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Gene Shallot couldn't find his, his other ball. ball. <laughs> Classic. Dan, what you got for us? I, we got to do a little Irving Berlin Blue Skies, don't you think? Uh, yeah, end of perfect. Gary Glenn Ross. All right, we'll just do a little bit. Here we go. Ha <laughs> 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 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Blue sky, but brown thighs. <laughs> <I'm trying> to- <laughs> <laughs> You fucking child. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.